You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. You got to be careful with with how you answer that, but I think that is, like I said, it's kind of Rich's job, you know, and it's and it's and it's to be in that quarterback room and and watch, and that's how you can develop. Listen, I got so many things to worry about. I'm trying to go out there and play good football. I'm trying to go out there and play the best football of my life. Um, so as far as a time constraint and all that stuff, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. It, you know, that is what it is. And like I said, I hope he does develop, but. I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. Truer words have never been spoken, as we just heard from Broncos quarterback Joe Flacco when he was asked whether or not it was his responsibility to mentor and help develop Drew Locke. And and I like the answer. We're going to break that down on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. I want to welcome you guys back to another episode of the show of your daily bite-sized podcast here at the Lockdown NFL Network, where you can get all the best news, coverage, insight, and analysis to all things orange and blue related. We're going to be doing a lot of breaking that stuff down on today's episode of the show. Broncos kicked off the first day of OTAs, veterans and rookies. Yesterday, they continue on today. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter, at Cody Rourke NFL. Also, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Cody Rourke NFL. Check out the website, Cody Rourke NFL. Dot com at the same exact time. Today's episode of the show, we're going to go through segment number one. We're going to hear from Von Miller. We're going to hear from Coach Fangio. We just heard a little bit from Joe Flacco. We're going to talk about that. Segment number two, we're going to break down every little angle of yesterday's events. A lot of happenings. No Chris Harris Jr. at OTAs as expected. Segment number three, our final thoughts here as the Broncos continue this offseason portion of OTAs. We get into a little bit of a debate, though, too, at the end of the show, too, regarding whether or not a player in the last year of his contract should show up for voluntary activities. Some news and notes from yesterday's OTA period. Juwan James was not present yesterday. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio pointed out that they were made aware about a month in advance that he would not be here for the start of everything as he was taking care of some business back in Miami. Expect to probably see him back at some point this week. Also, Broncos wide receiver Manuel Sanders was present at OTAs, not in a helmet, not in anything, not really engaging anything, working with the trainers off to the side, but being there getting mental reps as well. For me, I look at that as the key essential for Emmanuel Sanders coming in and when he's healthy and fully ready to be a full goal in this offensive scheme with Rich Scangerello. Monday, the Broncos made it out of practice relatively healthy outside of Nico Fala, who experienced what is said to be a serious Achilles injuries, according to Nine News' Mike Kliss. Fala went down during drills, had to be carted off, and teammates were kind of consoling him as he was loaded onto the cart. So definitely the Broncos losing a little bit of depth there on the offensive line. I know there was a lot of praise this offseason for Nico Fala in terms of coming out here and maybe even competing for a backup spot because, look, right now the Broncos, you can't have enough linemen and 
And surely enough, the loss of Nico Fala, a guy who's a developmental piece for the Broncos, will be big for them, will be big for Coach Munchak. So definitely our, our thoughts and prayers go to him, especially when it comes to any kind of injury. Hopefully it, he can come back and, and be ready to go. And, you know, injuries are the unfortunate nature of the game. I mean, like I said, like, here's a great example, too, of OTAs and, and a guy going down and there's no contact in practice and going down in a drill where essentially, you know, you can't have any contact. You have these types of injuries that occur all the time. So for when people want to get mad at Chris Harris Jr. for not showing up, which we'll talk about a little bit in a heated discussion later, there's a, there's a reason why Chris Harris Jr. isn't there, especially on the last year of his deal where he wants to get paid, where he's in line to get paid by either the Broncos or somebody else. You go out there, you risk injuring yourself and ending your season before it even begins. It's too risky. It's not smart. And it, nothing's going to change until the collective bargaining agreement does. And great, great point. I mean, this is a great example of why Chris Harris Jr. shouldn't be at OTAs right now. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. The Broncos also announced several transactions on Monday to their active roster. They signed Bug Howard, tight end out of North Carolina, six foot four, 220-pound project, who were number 88 over the weekend. Cameron and I were talking about him out. It almost looked like DT at some point. He switches to number 85, but another uh, big type target for Joe Flacco, potentially, or even a guy in the preseason to get some good reps and maybe be a developmental piece to sit behind some of the other tight ends. Got some action. He was signed to the Broncos alongside Nathan Jacobson, an offensive lineman out of UNLV. Dayon Sizer out of CSU Pueblo, another rookie that was signed from the defensive line, six foot four, two hundred and eighty pound defensive lineman and nose tackle that could possibly be a preseason project. Who knows where they could plug him in at as well, alongside Deshaun Williams, a three year NFL player out of Clemson, six foot one, two hundred and ninety five pounds, another interior hog for Bill Collar to work with. In the same exact time, the Broncos had to make four transaction moves themselves, waving Tamaric Hemingway, a tight end, six foot five out of South Carolina State. Jalen Johnson, defensive lineman from Washington, a rookie. Kashad Lyons, uh, another defensive lineman out of Tusculum. And Brian Wallace, a rookie offensive tackle from Arkansas. That I know a lot of Broncos fans were hitting me up about last week saying, hey, talk about this guy. Well, can't talk about him anymore. He's been waived by the Broncos. But coming up here in just a second, we're going to hear from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio on his thoughts on day one of OTAs. And some of the storylines we're going to look at with that was he made a comment, especially he was very vocal in the offseason about what people think, you know, Von Miller's playing great football. He thinks he could get even better football out of him. That also comes with the admittance that, hey, he's still an all-pro player, but he made some mistakes today. He's got to correct that. So we're going to hear right now from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. Well, he's got a lot to learn out there. You know, part of his job will be dropping sometimes and playing the run, and he's got to be sharp on that. You know, he missed a thing or two today that I noticed. So it's, it's valuable for him. I mean, all the guys up front, you know, it's not NFL football, but there still could be something gained from it. Coach Fangio believes that you can always learn in the NFL and Von Miller, despite being an all-pro, despite being a Super Bowl MVP, despite being a champion, a Pro Bowl star, pass rushing phenom that the Broncos have had the luxury of having, you know, even still at this point in his career, nine years, he still has a lot to fix, a lot to learn. And, and that's one thing in life. And Von Miller will even say it himself. You can never stop learning. You can never stop getting better. Von Miller also met with the media yesterday and gave a little bit of an update on Chris Harris Jr. Just from his perspective, because at one point von miller also did the same thing and sat out otas as he awaited a new contract yeah i, I feel for chris I, I definitely feel for chris and um you know sometimes you uh when when you first get here you know they, they tell you like uh you know if you play and you play well you know they'll take care of you and 
you know, if you do all the right things in the community, you do all the right things on the football field that take care of you. And um, Chris has definitely done, you know, everything and then some, whether it's uh, in the community, you know, with his uh, foundation or on the football field. He guards the number one receiver. You know, he's a top DB in the league, and, you know, you want to take care of guys like that. Certainly the Broncos want to live up to that approach that they tell a lot of their guys. And if we're talking about what Von Miller said, you know, you live up to your first contract, they'll treat you good. They give him a second contract, you play well, you treat you good. The second time, coming around for your third contract, Chris Harris Jr. is in line for being treated good the right time around. And and when it comes to what Chris Harris has done in his career, Von Miller took a little bit of time to say, you know, I spent some time kind of walking through with Chris about what is going on the whole entire process because he himself has went through it. He's been a pivotal part of Chris Harris Jr. and Von Miller's life. Collectively together, they have been very valuable to one another. So Von Miller views Chris Harris Jr. as his brother. And of course, he's going to give him some advice. What advice did Von Miller give him, though? We kind of go through the process together. It, it takes it takes a while. And you just got to, you know, stay level-headed. But, you know, with a guy like Chris, you would think, like, he's done every single, he's done every single thing right. You know, on and off the football field. Um, he's checked every single box. You know, undrafted free agent. You know, got a contract. Played well through that first contract. Played well through his second contract. And, you know, with guys like that, you know, the message you want to send is like, hey, if you come out here and you perform, you will, you'll get your... And you'll get what's right for you. And um, Chris definitely has to get what's right for him. He's done everything right. There is optimism that the Broncos and Chris Harris Jr. will come to terms on an agreement. And I was getting into a little bit of a discussion earlier with some Twitter followers who, you know, they were telling me, well, he's in the last year of his deal. He just needs to show up and honor his contract. Well, as we saw with Nico Fala getting an injury yesterday in practice, that is a key reason why players who are looking for a new contract, who are rightfully deserving of a new contract, decide to hold out and not participate because in something where there is no contact. I mean, it was a conditioning drill where Nico Fala had the injury occur. Stuff like that can derail your entire NFL career. We saw that happen with Earl Thomas last year. Luckily for him, his leg fracture wasn't so severe that he couldn't come back. He was still able to get paid, but it wasn't in Seattle. It wasn't in Dallas, two of the teams that were really trying to get him back and and to obtain his services in their secondary. He went on elsewhere. So, you know, with Chris Harris Jr., the process will play out. It will take time. So Broncos country, here's one thing. Chill out with the negative comments about Chris Harris Jr. for holding out and doing what's best for him in his career. There's so many people that are so quick to turn on a player as he's doing something for him and I I tell you I see it mostly on the Facebook message boards we see a lot of it too on Twitter not as much as Facebook though Facebook I feel like is way more toxic when it comes to these topics about players because guess what the players aren't going to see what these people are putting out there on Facebook players don't mess around with Facebook too much so here's my deal let everything play out let, let Chris Harris Jr. go through the negotiation process. Let the Broncos do that. And I guarantee you, the moment that the Broncos and Chris Harris Jr. come to an agreement on a new deal, all those people will flip-flop and they will change their tune instantly. So stop that. That's the worst element about sports. And trust me, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to get fired up. But we're going to continue our discussion here coming up in segment number two on the Locked On Broncos podcast. Cameron and I, we're going to talk about Joe Flacco's comments yesterday about Drew Locke. And, and I love what Joe Flacco had to say, and I can't wait to share a little bit more with you coming up in just a moment. 
Now, at the opening of the show, we heard Joe Flacco's comments at his press conference yesterday when asked about what his job is. Did, you know, I think it was D-Mac that asked him, you know, is it your job to develop or help develop guys like Drew Locke and Brett Rippon? And Joe Flacco's response was, you know, that's uh, that's the coach's job. That's Rich Scangerello's job is to develop those guys, being the offensive coordinator, being the position coach. And some people took offense with what Joe Flacco had to say. I I liked it. I, I thought that was actually on point, accurate. Look, I'll give you guys a coach's standpoint to this whole entire scenario here okay you as a as a coach it is your responsibility to take control of your position group or your position personnel so in Rich Scandrillo's case it's quarterbacks in the whole entire offense it is your job as a coach alongside the help of the coaching staff to bring those guys together to develop those young guys as coaches now if it was a player's job to develop other players, then there wouldn't be any need for coaches in the NFL. Cam, you know, this is something that I I see a lot on social media. And to be quite honest with you, it is something that frustrates me because people put all these expectations on quarterbacks. I mean, think about it right now with Aaron Rodgers. Is he really developing or helping develop Deshaun Kaiser? No, that's not happening. Okay, so that's the coaching staff's job to do that. That's why they're brought in as coaches. They have tons of experience all across the collegiate level or the professional level of developing guys. That is the most important thing. I coach my high school guys. I'm not going to go out there and expect that my older, my seniors are going to coach up and develop my juniors or my sophomores or my freshmen. That would be so unrealistic. And I wouldn't be, what would what, be the purpose of my job? There wouldn't be a purpose and I wouldn't be coaching if that were the case. So it's my job as a coach to go in there and to coach my guys up and develop them. Take whatever they're good at. Because look, if anybody's watching film, on all their players, it's the coaches. Joe Flacco doesn't have time to go and sit in the, the film room and watch what Drew Locke is doing, Brett Rippon's doing, and, and give them all the tips and pointers as possible. Now, if they sit down as a group session, that's what the quarterback's coach is for. He's going to be in there. He's going to coach up everybody because he's watching everybody. As a coach, you have to watch everybody. You have to figure out what your players are good at, what the players are not good at, and you have to take what they're not good at. And as a coach, you have to develop a game plan on how to develop them extensively. Absolutely. And I think from Joe Flacco's point of view, you absolutely have to be 100% on board with it. And I, 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 I can understand the, the, say, the fan crowd that, hey, we got this new toy in our stable. Let's roll with them. I am, I mean, I understand those takes. I, I mean, I get it. We, we, we dealt with it with Paxton Lynch. I understand it from, from the standpoint. But understand this. We never had a Joe Flacco scenario with that. And for for Joe Flacco to say what he said, he is 100 percent on on board. And the the fact is, as, as you alluded to, coaches are there to coach, but players are there to heed what the coaches have been saying and put forth it in practice. That's the coach's job. That's not to say that there will be maybe sometimes during games where. You know, Joe Drew Locke or, or Brett Rippon himself will be looking at Joe Flacco and learning from Joe Flacco. That's all on the actual quarterbacks themselves, not in essence, you know, coaching or, or anything else. I mean, but from the standpoint that, you know, Joe Flacco was wrong in his comments, I, I honestly disagree with it because of the simple fact that Joe Flacco is here to win football games. And until Joe Flacco does not win football games, then there will be a conversation to be had because that's the ultimate uh, barometer that we're talking about as far as what Joe Flacco was talking about. If you win games, if you win games in the National Football League, your job is safe. 
and 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 with the with the Drew Lock scenario and everything else and where and Brett Rippin, as long as Joe Flacco does exactly what he's he's capable of doing, which is win football games in Denver, then we are looking at you know the 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 standpoint that the 2019 season is his. The 2019 season is his. Now, granted, we might be looking at a different scenario in 2020 and, and 2021 with with Locke, maybe. But that's in the future. We're talking here and now. And Joe Flacco is here to win football games. Simple as that. Well, we're not trying to get into the semantics either of, you know, what's it going to look like two years down the road? I mean, the NFL is a what have you done for me now business. We've talked about that so much. And it's so important because so many people tend to overlook the fact that we have to live in the present, the moment. We we can't get into hypotheticals when it comes to sports because the moment we get into hypotheticals is where things get a little dangerous. The water gets a little murky. And you could get lost and you could drown in there. We see a lot of media guys do it all the time. And and so I think you make a great point, Cam. It's, you know, as a player myself, going back to my playing days, I know when I was a young guy or I was the rookie, one of the things that I looked at the most wasn't I was looking at what players were doing in terms of how they picked up what maybe you know the coach wanted from them and then I would translate I would make those adjustments based on what was working and obviously listening to the coach I mean that was the only person that I ever listened to in my playing career was listening to the coach because the coach has all the ideas he has the philosophy the vision for what is expected from him as a position coach how it pertains to the entire defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball and I had to fit that mold and I had to ask questions so for Drew Locke for Brett Rippon. It's during those team sessions. You're watching Joe Flacco. You're watching his timing. You're watching the play. You're identifying it. Now, I'll give you an example of what they should be doing right now. Okay, They should be hearing what the play call is, calling in from Coach Gangerillo. Obviously, Joe Flacco is going to have that in the huddle. And then they should be firing it off on air to themselves. They should be calling out the play as if they are the ones giving out the play themselves. That will be one step to helping them as well. And it doesn't hurt to also do visual reps at the same time. You may not be in on the field, but practice like you're under center. Simulate like you're under center. You're taking that five-step drop. You're identifying before you snap the ball. Okay, this is my read. Okay, they're lined up with the too high safety. This safety is rolling to the strong side. Are they playing cover three? Are they playing cover two? Are they playing man? demand coverage where are my options those things like think about it that's a long checklist of things that a quarterback has to do in the NFL but that's why they're at the NFL they're the smartest most cerebral guys and in order to step on the field they got to translate that over so Cam I agree with you I think those are some great thoughts there and I'm eager to hear what Broncos country has to say fire off on Twitter at Cody York NFL at Lockdown Broncos at Cameron Parker PO on your thoughts right there regarding Drew Locke and his development Joe Flacco, what is your stance on Joe Flacco's comments? Me personally, can't personally look. We understand the business side of things. This is how it's got to be done, and Joe Flacco's 110% correct, and what he said is not selfish, as some people are trying to point out. But we'll talk about that a little bit more throughout the week as we analyze OTA's Broncos Day 2 of OTA's kicking off today. We're going to have a full-on recap on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Broncos. Coming up here in segment number three, we're going to talk about Jake Butt a little bit. Jake Butt took some time today through his extensive his comeback from an ACL surgery, and we're going to give a little bit of a psychological perspective into the mind of Jake Butt and how fans need to let up a little bit on guys coming back from injury. We're going to talk about that in segment number three, but before we jump into that, i got to tell you guys about today's sponsor of the show, and that's our good friends over there at Blue Chew. Now, if you've had a hard time punching it in while you're in the red zone, Blue Chew is the solution you need to power through like Andy Janovich on a lead block and score today in the end zone. Sex used to be a common thing. It used to be easy for all of us, but as you get older, sometimes they say your performance 
slows down. Blue Chew ensures that that doesn't happen and you have the maximum protection in pass pro when you're in the red zone to punch it through and score a touchdown today. Now, this is just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance inside of the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor's visit. There's no more waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, there is no more awkwardness. They're made in the U.S. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly to you, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. All you do is you just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we want to thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Broncos podcast. Now, the Broncos made a big move yesterday. I wouldn't say necessarily like major, major big move, but you know, anytime you sign a draft pick, it is big news. Broncos late round draft pick, Jawan Winfrey, signed a deal with the Broncos. Details to be announced here soon, so look forward to this week. More so Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, Noah Fant, the rest of the Broncos draft picks, Justin Hollins, Jamont Jones. Look for them to be signing their deals as well as rookies. And then we could probably facilitate maybe the thought that the Broncos may reach out to Chris Harris Jr.'s agent with a proposal. When I find out more on that situation. I will keep you posted on that. But let's talk about Jake Butt for a second. I think Jake brought I think Jake Butt brought up a very, very big point uh yesterday because here's the deal. You have so many people on Twitter, and I get it. As as analysts, we talk about guys and, and their injury history and everything like that, but we don't ever do it in a way that, you know, kind of degrades him or says, well, he's you know, he can't do this and this and this because he's always injured. You see a lot of that from fans. You see a lot of that just kind of the insensitive reaction to a lot of things. And and Jake Butt at Jake Butt T tight end tweeted out on Monday following OTs said so many doctors experts doubters on Twitter but no one sees the daily work I put in no one knows my heart just keep working and let the chips fall where they may this is a guy that's really passionate about what he does and, and a guy that can't control what happens to him and here in the NFL we'd like everybody to stay healthy Jake Butt couldn't control or couldn't you know prohibit his ACL tearing and having that happen to him three times I mean it's the worst experience in the world and and if anybody's ever torn their ACL they're listening to this podcast you know exactly what I'm saying when there is no pain when you combine it mentally or physically as debilitating as a torn ACL it is one of the worst things to go through I would never wish an ACL injury on my worst enemy in this entire world I just wouldn't do it because it is a dark dark thing that has that brought me through a lot of dark places if you guys saw my tweet last week on what actually led me getting into the the media the radio world is because I tore my ACL I, I had to retire from playing football and and I couldn't do it anymore so you know guys like this you know they're athletes they're human beings and we we so Far often, a lot of us, I, I'm guilty of this sometimes, but here's the thing. These guys go through everything just like we do. We're human beings. You know what? They're on a national platform. They get to go out there in front of millions of people on TV and play football, thousands of people in stadiums and play football, something that not a lot of us are doing. We are entertained by simply just watching. A lot of fans are, are entertained by doing that. And what really stood out to me about Jake Butt, this guy has been very passionate in his entire career, going back to Michigan, going back to his entry into the NFL. He's been so caring about what he's doing. He's taking great pride in his work. He's been 
having a guy that's worked so hard in the weight room, on the field, off the field. This guy has done so much for the community of Denver in a short time of being there, and he just wants to get back on the playing field and play. So here's the thing. What what really kind of put it into perspective for me was when Emmanuel Sanders went on the 104.3 The Fan to challenge DMAC and to talk about him. And Emmanuel Sanders brought a point like, you're sitting here talking about Jake Butt, and this is a guy that's like, man, why is this guy always talking about me? I'm trying my hardest to come back from injury, and it really kind of put things into perspective. I mean, yeah, you know what? It's Twitter. Okay, I, I know that these guys get a lot of hate mail. Heck, I get a lot of hate mail at times too. People tell me what I should and shouldn't tweet. Here's the thing. With Jake Butt, these guys are when I read that stuff too, it 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 elicits a response in me because I've been there myself. I've been there myself where people said, Oh, you're never gonna come back from this. This is gonna be the end. Oh, we're never gonna see anything from this person. People believe that mentally because guess what? They're in a low state after a really, really bad injury like that. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to applaud Jake Butt for being out there and saying that. And look, one thing that stands out to me, Cam, and I'll let you talk about this is his teammates have come out onto that thread. They've quoted it, they've retweeted it, they've responded to it on how they have his back and how they love everything that he does. And Adam Gotsis says, Let's ride, big dog. Shelby Harris says, Prove them wrong. Everybody in that Broncos locker room is rallying around Jake Butt, and rightfully so, I am too. If there's one thing that we certainly have seen, in, see, here's the thing, too, that people need to understand. In what Jake Butt has dealt with the last two years, it's it isn't necessarily the conditioning and everything else. It's the fluky nature. It's just, it, it's happened to him more often than not. And I think ultimately, if you look at just the, the just with what he went through, there's really nobody, at least on the Denver Broncos roster, that understands the, the the pain and everything that he's been through, to try and recover and do anything like that. And and for him, you know, when when you look back and and you look at the actual recovery time that he had going into the regular season, what were we getting even before the regular season, Cody? And, and even to now with the OTAs were players that were lauding him and, and saying how a tremendously hard worker he was. Go back to the Chad Kelly years for people that are listening. He was with Chad Kelly after practice, taking balls from quarterbacks and just working on his route running, working on everything that was associated with the playbook. So this is not not this is not anything new in regards to players voicing their opinion on on as far as support of Jake Bud. He is an incredibly hard worker and it just shows you that the tight end group for all the slack that it gets from a lot of people on social media or or any sort of platform. The fact of the matter is whether you guys out there that may be listening and maybe still on the on the on the fence on it this tight end group is really, really good. And sure, it's it's all Big Ten solidified. But the fact of the matter is, it's really, really good. Sayer Benninger, one of the guys that is our editor over at Predominantly Orange, had a really good tweet yesterday that really was a terrific outline just showing how good it really is. I mean, 2014, Jeff Hyreman was second team all Big Ten. Jake Butt, who the guy we are, are talking about, was first team all Big Ten in 2015. He was first team all Big Ten in 2016 with Troy Fumagalle, who is on the Denver Broncos roster at second team. In 2017, Troy Fumagalle was first team all Big Ten with, interestingly enough, Noah Fant, their first round draft pick of pick number 20, was third team. And then happening in 2018, Noah Fant was first team all Big Ten. Is that, See, that to me... 
shows you, for one, there's a reason why the Denver Broncos go out and get these Big Ten players because of how sound they are, how dynamic they are, and what of a better person and work ethic they really have to be something special. Well, I like the idea, too, because here's the thing. Everyone says, well, you know, tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, you know what? The college game is evolving to more spread, more empty sets, and you're not seeing a lot of those in-line tight end guys. But look, the two first-round picks that went this year, T.J. Hawkins and Noah Fan from Iowa, Big Ten tight ends, they went round one because guess what's the number one trait for them? I mean, combined, we talked about it yesterday. Noah Fan had 39 receptions in his senior season 2018. Well, not his senior season, but his last season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, And here's the thing just because he had 39 receptions, what was he doing on those other plays where, you know, he had he did have 39 receptions, did have seven touchdowns, but he wasn't just sitting on the sideline. No, he was blocking. And in, in the Big Ten, I feel like Big Ten is the one conference right now that really solidifies having the importance of a blocking tight end. They still utilize the tight end the way that the game has always been, and that's why you're seeing the success there because there are a lot of guys in the NFL, a lot of coaches, a lot of executives who saw how effective it was back in the, back in the NFL days, back in the 2000s, the early 90s, 1990s, 1980s, having a blocking tight end was so pivotal towards the success of your offensive production. And they're seeing that still. And Noah Fant's going to have a big, big role. Jake Butt's going to have a big role. Jeff Hyreman's going to have a big role. And you know what? We just need to let these guys play. I mean, Jake Butt was on the practice field. He was limited. We didn't see too much from him, but he looked good in the early portions of practice. And he's going to keep building on that. And I think it's so important that Broncos country, I think everybody remains patient with this. So uh, enough about that. We're going to head to... uh, Broncos day two coverage of OTAs on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Broncos. We're going to hear from the media. We're going to hear from players. We're going to hear from coaches. And we're going to break it all down tomorrow's episode of Locked On Broncos. New storylines. Look for the Broncos to be making some signings this week for the rookies, making it official. And then we're getting one step closer to mandatory minicamp in June, a month off, and then bam, training camp. And we're going to be here for all that action here on the Locked On Broncos podcast, your daily Broncos podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode of the show. I'm your host, Cody Work, speaking for my co-host, Cameron Parker. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand spanking new episode.